Welcome and good evening. Tonight we have a collection of four true kidnapping scary stories. To think that this happens every day around the world without even thinking about it. Thankfully these days children tend to be more aware and know all about stranger danger. With that said, let's begin. I think everyone has memories from our childhood that bother us. I'm 24 years old now, but this is something I'll never forget. When I was in elementary school, I did what was called the extended day program, which was just daycare after school for kids whose parents worked late, or just for kids whose parents needed a place for them to make friends. This happened to me when I was in second grade, and I was seven years old at the time. My parents worked late on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, and my older sister, Alyssa, had a part-time job at McDonald's at the time. Usually, my parents would pick me up. But on Tuesdays and Thursdays, my sister picked me up at around 4.30, about an hour and a half after school ended. I still vividly remember a lot of details about when this happened. It was a chilly but not cold day in March, and we were on the playground running around. It was about 10 past 4 when the teacher that was watching us in the playground, Mr McCann, told me I was going home. Mr McCann walked with me back into the school, where I grabbed my backpack and walked out into the lobby. There, I met a young woman, no older than 30. She looked huge, well, to me at my age, but in reality she was probably around 5'2". She was skinny and she had long dark brown hair with tan skin, a pointy nose, a fuck ton of makeup and a tattoo on her left arm. That's about the best description I can give. She bent down and asked if I was Dylan, and my stupid ass said yes. She introduced herself as Heather and said she worked with Alyssa and that since Alyssa had to work extra late, she had told her to pick me up. And a little side note, she never mentioned Alyssa by name. She just said, I work with your sister. That will be important later. Anyway, she grabbed my hand and we walked to her car together. And obviously I didn't think anything of it because I was so young and innocent. When we got to her car, Heather offered me M&Ms. Again, another red flag. But my naive ass thought she was just being nice, so I ate them. I know what most of you are probably thinking, but luckily they turned out not to be drugs. At first, nothing seemed off. Heather took me the same way my parents and my sister always took me to and from school. It wasn't until she passed by my street that I started to realise something was off. I told her that we passed by my street, but she just responded by saying, okay, and kept going down the main road. It wasn't in the caring, friendly tone she had when we first met less than 30 minutes before. She seemed cold now and didn't really care about how nervous I was. I asked her if she could get me a Happy Meal and she responded by yelling at me, Shut up, kid. A couple of minutes of silence passed by as she continued driving till I asked if her and Alicia are friends. Her response, Who's Alicia? The two words that made my heart, lungs and every other organ in my body drop to the pit of my stomach. Even as a kid, I knew this meant she didn't know me. I started crying afraid of what was going to happen next. Heather kept screaming for me to shut the fuck up and even reached over and slapped me a couple of times. Eventually she got fed up with me, then she pulled over, put the car in park and pulled a roll of duct tape out of the centre console. Then just like in an action movie, a police car pulled up behind us. This made Heather drop the duct tape. She then proceeded to put the car back in drive and floor it down the road. We were on a 30 mile an hour road, but she had to be going at least 60, maybe even 70. This lasted for about 5 minutes and I kept crying as Heather floored it down the road and threw turns of ridiculous speeds. 
eventually we came up on two police cars blocking the road, which made Heather slam on the brakes, sliding to a stop just before she hit the police cars. She got out and started running, but luckily the cops were quick enough, and they were able to stop her before she ran into the woods that were along the road. And that was that. As Heather was taken to one of the police cars, one of the other police officers took me home in his car, doing his best to comfort me. When I got home, Alicia was sobbing as she hugged me for about two minutes straight, and my parents both got home not long after. They were also really upset. That night they had a very long talk with me about stranger danger, and the police came to check on us and ask me more questions. It turned out Heather wasn't her real name, and that she had no connection to my sister like she said she did. And even though I had no idea at the time, her boyfriend was a suspected child trafficker who was later found guilty. Looking back on it now and knowing that makes me feel even more lucky. What still really confuses me is how Heather, or whatever her name is, knew who I was. Keep in mind that I was only seven, and this was before cell phones and social media were big. I do have one theory though. Mr. McCann, the teacher that ran the after-school program, was fired after the incident and I saw in the news many years later that he was charged with touching a kid at another school, and he killed himself the day before he was supposed to go to trial. I think there's a chance that maybe him and Heather were related, or at least knew each other somehow, but I'll probably never know for sure if my story and Mr. McCann are connected. Kids, be very careful with adults, and always listen to your parents when they warn you about dangers of the world. Parents, please for the love of God, teach your kids about stranger danger and not to get into cars, that kind of thing. Luckily the school handled it pretty well, but I want to remind schools to be vigilant about taking care of kids, especially young ones. Hopefully Heather is either in a jail or got some kind of help, and she'll never try to harm a child again. Growing up, my school was about 5 kilometers from my home. I had to walk it because my parents would work until 7pm every day. The walk would go through a huge forest, I can probably count the number of times I encountered anyone through the forest on one hand. This specific time had always stuck in my head and looking back I think I might have seen a kidnapping or some children trying to escape a kidnapping. I was 12, it was late springtime and very hot out. I was on my way home and had probably been walking for one maybe two kilometres when I noticed a group of boys walking my way. The boys had no clothes on at all and were carrying what looked to me like a bat. The animal, not the sports equipment. There were three of them, two were around the same age as me, one looked a little younger. They looked flushed and sweaty, as if they had been running or walking for a while. They were almost dragging the younger boy along, he seemed like he needed the rest. I just froze and looked at them confused. They were speaking a language I didn't understand. I can speak both Spanish and English, so it was neither of them. The two older boys had olive skin with dark hair, while the younger one was more pale and blonde. One of the older boys tried to talk to me, but as I said I couldn't understand whatever language they were speaking. I said to him in both Spanish and English, I can't understand you. He seemed confused, but he didn't waste any time. He pointed at the big one litre bottle of water I had in my backpack side pocket and shook his fists by his chest, as if he was begging me. I gave him the bottle and he made sure the younger boy drank first. They finished off the water I had left in there and nodded their heads as if to say thank you before carrying on the way they were going. I kept on walking home, but I felt creeped out by whatever I had just witnessed. After another kilometre or two, I saw a man. He was tall and thin, and he looked to be in his late twenties or early thirties. He was pale, 
but pale in a way that he looked ill or sick. Looking back, I think he may have been on something, but that didn't click for me at the time. When I saw him, I tried to keep my head down and keep walking, but he stopped me. In broken Spanish, he said to me that he was looking for his little brothers. They were lost and asked if I had seen them. I shook my head and he said gracias and carried on walking. I tried my hardest to walk normally, but as soon as he was out of sight, I ran and I didn't stop running until I reached my home. Once my parents got home, I told them what had happened. They shrugged it off and told me I shouldn't worry. When I insisted I was serious, my dad promised me he would call the police in the morning and tell them what I'd seen. If my dad did call them, I was never called in for further questioning. No police asked me for descriptions or anything. My dad swears he reported it, but I have doubts. I just wish they would have taken me more seriously. I am 21 years old right now, and I remember back when I was in 5th grade, my family and I lived in an apartment on a road called Heritage Drive. The apartments were two stories and pretty much shaped like a big rectangle made of brick. There was another apartment building right next to the one I lived in, and next to that were several yellow houses, and some houses across the street as well. It wasn't exactly a cul-de-sac when you were on our side of the street, but the other end of the street was a cul-de-sac. The whole area was pretty quiet for the most part, despite the storms we would often get. Behind the apartment buildings was this narrow strip of wooded area that my brother and his friends would play in often and make forts in. I never really experienced weird things there except for some strange neighbours we had in the complex. Anyways, it was around evening and the computer was set up right next to the window, so I was able to open the window and feel a nice breeze while I played games, and while I was playing games, I kept hearing noises outside, so I turned to look. I saw a man grabbing onto this little girl's arm and yanking her towards this black car parked in front of the complex. The girl kept yelling, Daddy, Daddy, but no one came out of the complex. But I don't think that man was her father. The heels of her shoes were dragging across the ground as he was pulling her to the car, and when they finally got to the car, it looked like he threw her in pretty hard because she grunted really loud from the impact of hitting the seat. It looked like she was trying to get out, but I remember him grabbing her arm and saying something to her. I couldn't understand what he was saying, I think he was speaking Spanish. Then he shut the door pretty hard, looked around, and rushed over to the driver's side before speeding off. I know that there was a couple of Mexican families living in the complex next to mine, so it didn't surprise me that he was speaking Spanish. I assumed it might have been family, or someone the family knows, but the girl seemed like she was in such distress, and she was trying hard to get away. After it all happened, I really didn't know what to do. I was scared and confused, I remember how fast my heart was racing. I know now that it should have been obvious what was happening, but back then I was too confused to react fast enough. Even now, it weighs on me, and I always wish I could go back in time to help her. I told my family a few years later when I was finally able to talk about it, and they keep telling me that it wasn't my fault and that I didn't know what to do. But even though they tried to console me, I still feel terrible about it. When I was around nine, I visited my aunt with my family because we hadn't seen her in a while, so we figured visiting her sometimes would be nice. Just a quick side note. This aunt is from my dad's side of the family. My dad's side is really Christian. My dad didn't jump on this bandwagon though. So fast forward a couple of hours of boring car driving and we arrive. We talked to her for a bit and since our two kids and husband were gone because they were going to a Lego convention, my uncle is really into Lego and his kids kind of followed him into that path. It didn't take too long for our little chat to end. 
After we had dinner with her, she asks us if we'd be interested to visit the church that was across the street. The town she lived in was small, so things were kinda tidy, hence the church literally being across her house. And we said yes, because we had nothing to do. She smiles, grabs her church keys. She was part of the staff that worked in the church. The church was sort of a community building, church if that makes sense. And after a five minute walk, we arrive and go inside of the church. Now around the time we arrived it was already like 8 since we had dinner pretty late, like an hour later than usual. Because it was night, the church was closed and only staff were allowed in there after opening hours. Reminder, this was some sort of community building, so walking in a closed church at night, with all but a couple of lights on, was on its own creepy enough. We arrive in like the centre part of the church that overlooks the organ, which looked really pretty by the way and we see that the priest is still there, sitting in one of the praying benches, or whatever you call those. Our aunt approaches the priest, and the priest looks surprised since no one but staff was allowed in the church, so bringing family alone wasn't allowed. He doesn't make a big deal out of it though, and actually seemed happy, and insists on us staying and for us to look around wherever we want. My mum and dad said to us that my brother and I were allowed to explore the centre part alone. This was not that big since this was a church cramped into a community building so there was no reason for concern. My first interest was the room in one of the small side towers that you were never allowed into. So I went in and checked that out. The priest starts following me and I figure he's just checking up on me to make sure I'm not stealing stuff and so on. But he walks into the small room with me and starts asking me these weird questions like, and I quote, are you a virgin? I was around nine at the time, so of course I was. And that's also why I responded. I told him that I obviously was since I was nine and he responded by asking me about my sexuality. And at this point, I started asking him why he was asking me all these weird questions about my sexual interests. When first I was just nine, and I just met the guy. I didn't even know his name. He told me not to question him, and at this point he started touching me on the shoulder and slowly walked behind me and started massaging my shoulders. I, out of fear, smacked his hand, and he smacked me back on my cheek before grabbing me from behind and dragging me to his emergency exit in the room. Also, if you're wondering how my parents didn't hear any noise, nor saw any of this, they followed my aunt to this doping room because they had never seen one and their interest was piqued. I struggle from the guy's grip and get free not too hard. The priest was an old man around his 60s or maybe 70s, so he wasn't that strong anymore, and I ran out of the room and headed straight for the exit. Now, the exit was locked, of course, so here I was stuck in the centre part of the church with a creepy priest that wanted to kidnap me. I quickly run to a random room on the left side of the hall, and this luckily turned out to be the doping room, and there were my parents, confused and they didn't even believe me because I over-exaggerated situations a lot as a kid. I insisted on leaving the church with my aunt and parents and so eventually my aunt unlocks the door and we all leave. The priest during all this returned to his praying bench and pretended nothing ever happened, and I wanted to confront him but I knew no one would believe me, so I was best off just leaving this place as soon as possible. After returning to my aunt's home, we talked for a bit, but convincing my family seemed impossible, so I had to just accept the fact that they would never believe me and bottled up my emotions. When this happened, I had struggled with it for a couple of days since it happened, but I am not one to let these kind of things bother me too much, especially when no one believes me, and only me and the weird priest know what truly happened that night. As of now, I kind of forget it ever happened to be honest with you. I just sort of relived this memory telling you. So, all you kids out there, please stay safe and be vigilant.
Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed, maybe consider clicking on one of the videos on the screen now. And with that said, I'll catch you all in the next one. Thank you. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.